born to die that he might give eternal life that I might live Welcome to Yankee Arnold Ministries. Dr. Arnold will be with you in just a moment, but first, we want you to know how much we appreciate your prayers and financial support. You may help this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Again, that's 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Feel free to send Dr. Arnold your questions or comments to yankee at yankeearnold.com, and he will respond as quickly as possible. Now, here is Dr. Arnold with today's message. See, in verse 4, as he had chosen us, now just notice the words us and we, chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of time he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will, that we should be to the praise of his glory, who first trusted in Christ. Now you stop right there. Now, you'll see the word us and we, us and we. But when you get to verse 13, it changes who it's talking to. You see in verse 13, in whom ye also trusted. So he's saying something different. Ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. In whom also after that ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise which is the earnest of our inheritance unto the redemption of the purchased possession, unto the praise of His glory. Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus, and love unto all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you. Do you see that? The first 12 verses is talking about us and we. Then it changes to ye and you and your. Is there a possibility that there is a division here? Remember this, Paul was mainly an apostle to the Gentiles. Peter was an apostle to the Jews. Uh, the Jews were the circumcision, and the Gentiles were uncircumcised. And that's how they referred to each other. So now he is referring to those things that God had promised to the Jew. The Jew first, and then also to the Gentiles. Now, you'll notice that the last words in verse 12, where he makes the statement that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ. I believe is a reference to the Jewish people. They were the 
first ones. And when he talks about in the book of um, Romans in chapter 1, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, it was that the gospel was taken to the Jew first. When he says to go into all the world and preach the gospel, first of all, he says that the Holy Spirit would come upon them. And when he is coming, ye shall be witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea. Where is that at? Who do you think he's talking to there? And then Samaria and the uttermost parts of the world. Then you're reaching out to those Gentiles. And all. So Peter was used by the Lord to reach the Jews first with the gospel. And it was a fulfillment of what God had promised in the Old Testament. That Jesus Christ was going to come. And he came to the nation of Israel. He told the woman at the well, for salvation is of the Jews. And because they rejected the Messiah, now the gospel is going to all the world. Even us Gentiles can be saved. And so when you go down through here and you read this, it makes a little bit more sense. Only because when you get there in chapter 2, he's going to show you how that God has taken the Jews and the Gentiles and put them both together. You see, when he talks about here in verse 13, in whom... Ye also trusted, after that you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed, ye, Gentiles, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, just like the Jews were. So Jews and Gentiles are both baptized into the body of Christ. That's why throughout the gospel of the book of Ephesians, it's about being in Christ, in Christ, in Christ. Now look what he says here in uh, verse 14. Of chapter 2. For he is our peace. Who hath made both one. Jews and Gentiles. And hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us. Having abolished in his flesh the enmity. Even the law of commandments contained in ordinances. For to make in himself of two. One new man so making peace. And that he might reconcile both. Jews and Gentiles. Unto God in one body, by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby. And came and preached peace to you which were afar off, Gentiles, and to them which were nigh, Jews. For through him we both, Jews and Gentiles, have access by one spirit unto the Father. Remember when Jesus was here in John chapter 14, he said, I will ask the Father and he shall give you another comforter that he may be with you forever. And then he says, and this spake he of the Holy Spirit, which they that believe in him should receive. That's mentioned more so in John chapter 7, when he made the statement. On that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, said, if any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. And as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. That was mainly on the day of Pentecost, the Jews Chapter 10, when Peter went to the household of Cornelius, you had Gentiles. So Jews, Gentiles joined together and forming a one new body. So we are now being used by God. Israel as a nation is set aside, but it has not been cast away. They're only waiting temporarily until we have finished and God has finished with us. And then Israel will continue and God will take them right into the tribulation period. And by the time he gets through whooping them, they're going to be looking for the Messiah. Lift up your eyes for your redemption, draw up nine. And so that's what those scriptures are referring to. Now, because of this, this is why you have now in verse 19. See that word now? 
Now, therefore, ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. So Jews and Gentile, we're all saints together. We're all in the same body. We got the same foundation. And that's why we can reach Jews and Gentiles. But it was to the Jew first. And then because of us believing the same message, we are also baptized by that same Holy Spirit. And that was mentioned in the book of Jeremiah that God says concerning his people, I will put my spirit in their hearts and so forth. So that's why you'll notice these two words. You see down there in uh, verse 20, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom, in Christ, all the building fitly framed, and here's a word you ought to circle in your Bible there, together. And then he says in verse 22, in whom you also are builded together. In other words, Jews and Gentiles is forming a temple, a living temple, by which the Lord, through the Holy Spirit, indwells this living temple. So all of us the believers together, from the day of Pentecost until the rapture, we are forming a habitation for God, the Holy Spirit, to indwell on planet Earth. And that's through every individual person. Now I want you to take your Bible and turn to the book of 1 Peter. 1 Peter. Now you know that Peter was a preacher, apostle, to the Jewish people. And so that's why when you read what Peter wrote, it says here in verse 1 of chapter 1, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus and Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. Look in verse 2. Elect according to the foreknowledge of God, the Father, through sanctification of the Spirit, unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. In other words, because these, I believe, is a reference to Jewish believers had been scattered, and this is a letter to them, and because they were part of this group that formed this nation, but because the nation as a whole, the leaders, People were scattered. People were already living in different places. That's why on the day of Pentecost, the Bible mentions the various countries in which they came from. There's a good possibility that when they came there, they heard Peter preach the gospel and thousands trusted the Lord. And so these may be some of those same people that had been scattered. But it's a reference to, I believe, the believing Jewish people. And he says here that these were strangers scattered throughout And then he says here, blessed in verse 3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a living hope, a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And here you find certain words and phrases. To an inheritance, incorruptible, undefiled, fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. Now, you'll see the word there in verse 2, talking about the elect, the sanctification. You find that a lot of times mentioned to the nation of Israel. It's true for uh, just Gentiles too. But there are certain things that God has referred to them. Also look there in 1 Peter in chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. And you'll notice in verse 1, But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and a holy nation. Now this is actually a quote from the Old Testament that was said about the nation of Israel. 
And he's still saying that. But now we also know we can apply many of these scriptures to ourselves. And we also look at ourselves as though we have a royal priesthood. But these Jewish people definitely should understand much of the Jewish language and thoughts and ideas that come, especially like whenever they read the book of Hebrews. And Hebrews is loaded with stuff to Jewish believers because, remember, there was a temple there. There was people still having sacrifices. And they didn't have to go back to that anymore. There was not to do that anymore. There is no more sacrifice for sins. And so he makes a statement here. He says in verse 9, But you're a chosen generation, royal priesthood, and holy nation, peculiar people that you should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And he says, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. And he says, we're strangers and we're pilgrims. Same thing was concerning an uh, old man by the name of Abraham. And he looked for a, a heavenly country. Now look in Second Peter. Second Peter. But in Second Peter, you notice there's a, another phrase or terminology used here. But it's also a, a book that refers to the Jewish people and about the precious promises that God had made. And then he gets over here to where he's talking to the believers. And he makes this statement here in verse 10. Wherefore, the rather brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For as you do these things, you shall never fall. Now, there are certain things. And if you'll notice in chapter 2 and chapter 3, it's always about... Old Testament stuff. But it's bringing things into perspective where you can see and understand where God's coming from. Take your Bible now and turn to the book of Romans. The book of Romans and chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Now, most people have no trouble understanding that when God talks about Romans chapter 9, 10, and 11 which it looks like it's a uh, parenthetical expression in a sentence. You can take it out and don't hurt the flow of the sentence. So you can go from chapter 8 straight into chapter 12, and it flows perfectly. But chapter 9 is usually the past of Israel. Chapter 10 is the presence of Israel. And chapter 11 is the future of Israel. And you'll read that and study that, and you'll see that that's pretty accurate on that. But a lot of time we take uh, and start off, in chapter 9, and that's only about Israel, but it starts before that. You see, in Romans in chapter 8, you'll notice there in verse 29, he just talked about those that are called according to his purpose. Now, there's things at the beginning of the book of Romans that deals with Israel, the Jewish people, and the advantage that they had. In chapter 3 and verse 1, what advantage did they have? He says, much in every way, chiefly that unto them was committed the oracles of the word of God. So they had an advantage, but they never took advantage of the advantage. And so he says here in verse 29, For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. And that firstborn among many brethren, you'll also read that in the Hebrews in chapter 2. And there's more about that in there. But he says in verse 30, Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called, and whom he called, he justified, and whom he justified, he glorified. I believe from here all the way through the rest, even in chapter 9, if there was no chapter division there, 
it might just flow right in together with that. And the reason is because when you get into predestination and foreknowledge and those things and the elect and chosen, most times you'll find out there's a good reference toward Israel, the Jewish people. So that's why in chapter 9, he says there in verse 1, I say the truth in Christ, I lie not. My conscience also bared me witness in the Holy Spirit. For I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart. For I could wish that myself were a curse from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen according to the flesh. Who are what? Who are Israelites. To whom pertaineth the what? The adoption. You'll read about the adoption in chapter 8. When he talks about we're waiting for the adoption. And the whole world is groaning waiting for the adoption. And then he's talking here about the adoption. And the glory and the covenants and the giving of the law, the service of God and the promises, whose are the fathers and of whom as concerning the flesh Christ came who is over all. God blessed forever. That's why in the book of Romans when it starts off talking about Paul who is an apostle separated unto the gospel of God and talking about of Jesus Christ in the flesh. He came as a promise because of David and it's, it's sprinkled throughout. Even though Paul became the apostle to the Gentiles, his heart's desire was for his own people. And that's why in chapter 10 he says, My brother, my heart's desire is for my own people that they might be saved. He says, They have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness are going about to establish their own righteousness and have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of Christ, the righteousness of God. So you notice what he says here. Down here in verse 6. Nor, not as though the word of God had taken none effect. That's also mentioned in Romans chapter 3 and verse 3. For they are not all Israel which are of Israel. Neither because they are the seed of Abraham are they all children. But in Isaac shall thy seed be called. That is they which are the children of the flesh. These are not the children of God. And so it gets into in verse 11, about the election, it gets into predestination and the foreknowledge in chapter 9. Because, you see, that's what's mentioned in chapter 8. Now he's explaining what he talked about. It's kind of like when you read the book of Genesis. It's like the table of contents is what God's going to talk about on the creation of the world. And then in another chapter, it tells you what he did and how he did it. So some people say, well, there must be two creations. No, there's only one. One is he told you what he's going to do, and then the other one he tells you more about what he did. So there are promises that God has made into his word, and when you get that and you see that, it makes so much sense because there's the thing about choosing and the election and predestination, those things, most of the time you'll find out it's referring to the nation of Israel and never about, you know, your salvation, your personal salvation because God can choose to use a lot of people. Can God use a man like um, Cyrus? Could he use a man like Donald Trump? He don't have to know the Lord. But God can use a person. And God also had people that would make a decree that uh, children of Israel could go back to their land. See, God can use any Gentile leaders. God says he raises them up and God can put them down. And that's why as you go through chapter 9 of Romans... That's the past. Chapter 10, the present. Chapter 11 is the future. So turn there to Romans in chapter 11. In Romans chapter 11, so that you understand 
that those promises that God made to Israel, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, he made a choice. It was not conditioned upon these individual men that God confirmed that covenant to of having to perform anything. God says, this is what I will do. I will, I will, I will. And therefore, it's not conditioned upon man's obedience or disobedience. Now, whether or not God blessed them or chastened them is one thing, but nation of Israel will never be totally destroyed. Israel is going to come back to life. Israel is back in the land now. But that doesn't mean that they are the children of God, because that's what we just read here in Romans. They are of the right line, but there were people that were here from the nation of Israel when Christ was here, and they never trusted in Christ as their Messiah, and when they die, they still go to hell. But they were chosen to be a nation with great illumination and revelation of God himself and what they could have done. So he says, I say then, have God cast away his people? God forbid. God forbid means no. For I am also an Israelite of the seed of Abraham, of the tribe of Benjamin. But is he also a part of the body of Christ? Is Paul also in the church? He's in the church. I had some people tell me, and they try to straighten me out sometime. Yankee, those other books are not for the church. I say, what books? Well, like Hebrews, not for the church. Uh, Peter, uh, those aren't for the church. Get off my back. All scripture is profitable. And we can learn from it. It's, if it's not all to us, but it's for us. Don't worry about which it is and isn't. Just read and study the word of God and apply it. Isn't the book of Revelation, they say that's not to the church. Well, I got a problem because chapter 2 and chapter 3, to the church at Ephesus write, to the church at Smyrna write, the church at Thyatira, the church at Philadelphia, the church of Laodicea. We're not supposed to read them? It looks like it was a letter to us. And then when you read the last chapter in the book of Revelation, it says, and the spirits say come, the bride say come. Now, that must be to us. I have no problem with it. I just love all the book. I love all of it. And so he says in verse 2, God hath not cast away his people which he foreknew. See, in chapter 8, we were talking about the foreknowledge. And I had God predetermined. See, God called Abraham and predetermined that he would be the father of a great nation. He chose them. He elected them. They are his servants. They are his people to do his work. He didn't always do it, but it ain't over yet. And you'll notice he talks about, see in verse 7, when he talks about, what then Israel hath not obtained that which he seeketh for? But the election hath obtained it, and the rest were blinded. So you see, there's still truth that God has chosen to save all of those who will choose to be saved. Anybody got a problem with that? I don't. And you're talking about the election. Look what he says there in verse 5. Even so then at this present time, there is a remnant according to the election of grace. That's how God has chosen to save. God chose to save a man by grace, not by his work. Does that make God bad when he has it to where it's free for everybody? Can you find fault with God for doing that? And so that's why in verse 6 he said, And if it's by grace, it cannot be by works, otherwise grace is no more grace. But if it be by works, it cannot be by grace, otherwise work is no more work. 
It's got to be one way or the other. But that's also was to Israel, and that's the same message to the Gentiles. And the reason we have it is because we believe, and the reason they don't is because they chose not to believe. And this is going to take place. So look there in chapter 11 and verse 26. And so, as a culmination of all this wonderful truth, all Israel shall be what? The day is coming when Israel is going to be saved, the whole nation. And they are going to be that little um, mustard seed that goes into the kingdom, and they're going to grow and be the greatest nation on the face of the earth. And it says that the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. It means God's not changing his mind on it. Because there's things God has predetermined. In other words, this will happen. It's predestinated by God. It's not based upon man. Based upon what God has determined. And that's why he says in verse 29, For the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. For as ye in time past have not believed God, yet now have obtained mercy through their unbelief. So because of the Gentiles, Israel has become and will be jealous. He said, I did it to provoke jealousy with you. And one of these days, see, the rapture is going to take place. And God's going to be working again on the time clock with the nation of Israel right into the tribulation period. When you read this and you see that it's, 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 it's so clear. Let me give one verse before we close here. Look there in verse 32. For God, God, hath concluded them, what? All in unbelief. Why? That he might have mercy upon how many? On all. You see up there in verse 27 where it says he, the covenant was that that Messiah that's going to come down the road is going to take away all their sins. And God just concluded everybody in unbelief. The whole world. Why? So that he could have mercy on everybody. Ain't that a great verse? And I almost missed it tonight. You would have left here and not known that verse was in the Bible. Now you know it's in there. Ain't that good? Might have to stop listening to that Freddie Coyle. Look up here. This is you and me. The wall represents sin. We're all, we're all sinners. We've all got sin on us. God loves us. Now, he hates our sin, but he loves us. And for us to pay for sin is eternal separation from God in hell. But God loves us and wants us to go to heaven. So God says, everybody understand. Why? Because he wants to have mercy on everybody. That means he did not choose some people to go to heaven and some people to go to hell. He has mercy upon all. And because of that, we have to be perfect to go to heaven and none of us qualify. We've all sinned and come short of God's perfection. This hand represents Jesus Christ. He's the Lord God in the flesh. Came into the world because, well, he loves us. Hates our sin because our sin separates us from him. So Jesus Christ, that promised Messiah, God in the flesh, came into the world and took the sins of all the Jews and all the Gentiles. And there isn't nobody else. You're either Jewish or Gentile. He took the sins of everybody, paid for it on the cross, and came back from the dead and said that whosoever would believe he did it for them, he would put that payment to their account and they get to go to heaven on what Jesus Christ did. Ain't that good? I love it. Let's pray, shall we? Father, we are thankful so much for your watch, care, and your love and all your provision for us. Thank you for this time together. Thank you for your word. And Lord, we do pray for some that are not able to be here tonight. 
And so, Father, we know that we can't always be healed of everything or none of us will ever get to heaven. But we pray for strength, for wisdom, for guidance to handle every situation that comes our way and that you'd help us to maintain the proper attitude, the right testimony, regardless. So bless them. In Christ's name we pray. Were you ever told that you must confess Christ before men to be saved? Were you warned that if you refused to confess Christ, He would not confess you before the Father? Just what does that mean? Pastor Yankee Arnold has prepared just the right book with answers straight from the Bible. The book is called Gospel Driven Man, and Pastor Yankee wants to send it to you free of charge. Simply write to Pastor Yankee at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634, and request the book or request by email at yankee at yankeearnold.com. That's yankee at yankeearnold.com. Thanks for listening to today's broadcast. We pray that today's message was a blessing to you and your family. You may help support this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Friend, one day it will happen. The trumpet will sound, and we will be changed, caught up to meet the Lord in the air. So live today and every day, believing that the Lord is coming soon, and just keep looking up. Amazing grace.